the word diet to me these days, or like thinking of the word diet, is almost something temporarily. And I'm trying to replace that with the word lifestyle in terms of, okay, how am I going to develop these patterns in terms of eating, exercise, uh, nutrition, sleep, meditation to fit my existing lifestyle? And how do I continue to be consistent? So that's what's important to me. And that's like, I guess I would say the, the brain shift, Zach, is from getting that idea of like temporary diet towards long-term lifestyle. Hey, it's Zach here, and super quick before we dive into the show. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you have subscribed to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter, because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'll even send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter. All right, on to today's episode. My name is Zach Arnold, and I'm a former Hollywood film and television editor turned career strategist and the creator of Optimize Yourself, where I help artists, creatives, and storytellers just like you design the more balanced, more sustainable, and more fulfilling creative career that you deserve. In a nutshell, I'm Tim Ferriss meets Ted Lasso, minus the mustache, because I am obsessed with both learning everything I can about optimizing human potential while also inspiring you to realize yours. If you are ready to step outside your comfort zone, let's dive right in and unlock the optimized version of you. Hello, and welcome to the Optimize Yourself podcast, where I share honest and candid conversations with best-selling authors, world-class athletes, Hollywood legends, elite experts in a variety of fields, as well as everyday people that are achieving extraordinary things. It means the world to me that with all the podcast choices out there, you have chosen to invest your valuable time, energy, and attention with me. Now, before we get started, don't forget to visit optimizeyourself.me slash podcast so you can subscribe, leave a review, and so you can also download your unique customized podcast playlist where I'm going to send you the five best expert interviews from our archives to help you achieve your specific goals. So on that note, without further ado, let's get right to today's guest. I'm here today with Nick Huraz, who is a certified Adobe, Apple, and Avid trainer. And for anybody that is in the editing world like me, knows that that covers just about everything. So Nick, it is a absolute pleasure to have you here from the other end of North America. Thanks for having me, Zach. I'm in LA, of course. You're in where again? Toronto, freezing cold Toronto right now. Yes, and everybody in LA is uh, putting on their winter parkas and their hats because it's in the high 50s and drizzling. Oh, that is weather I would love to have right, right? now. Yeah, yes, no, it's, yes. uh, having grown up two hours from the Canadian border in Northern Wisconsin, I just, I, I've been out here for 15 years and I still laugh. Like I'll, when I do my afternoon and evening walks, it'll be in like the, the low forties and I love it. I'm in like a, a tiny windbreaker and people are just like huddled up and frozen. So, um, it's, it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> and I live in a, in a wind tunnel in the city. So I'm like right by the water in downtown Toronto. Oh God. So, so the, the average starting January to February is going to be, you know, I'll be lucky if it's uh, if it hits, you know, 20 to 25. 
Right. That'd be, that'll be a good day. Yep. I remember, I remember those days when, yeah. uh, like when I was in high school, there was a time when I think the wind chill was projected to be 20 or 30 below. And there was talk of maybe canceling school that day. They were on the fence. It was like, we, should we, like, are the parents going to get upset if we cancel? And the wind chill was 30 below. Like, yeah, we probably should, but we'll, 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 we'll chance it. But anyway, we're going way off tangent. I just, I like talking to people that understand the, the winter weather world because it's fun to watch people that don't. But anyway, one of the cool things about our relationship is that you're kind of a fitness and post OG where you were in one of my very, very first early challenge groups. Yes. I mean, this would have been in 2014, I think, right? This was a couple of years ago. Yes. And this was back when I had no flipping idea what I was doing. And I'm not saying I do now. I'm starting to feel a little bit more comfortable, but I had no clue what I was doing. And we had a grand total of five people in our challenge group. Yes. At the time. Yes, totally. It was, uh, I think it was, I forget how how long was, but I was in that uh, test like a uh, group for, it was very small at the time, but it was, uh, it was great. And then I actually, I also partook in um, one of the online fitness and post uh, challenges with the Fitbit as well. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. The Fitbit leaderboard that I yeah. used to have. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's funny because out of that group, I built some amazing relationships, you being one of them, Jeff Greenberg being another, who's been on the show uh, a couple of times and is, you know, another one of the, the gurus in the, the editing space. And I can link to the episodes that I did with Jeff, cause those are some fan favorites. We can do a little bit of geeking out on the, the editing side of things today, but you actually reached out to me and were very insistent about wanting to get on the show because you have a, you know, a fitness before and after type story. Story that you wanted to tell. So um, I want to go into that. But before we do so, I want to just give people a little bit clearer picture of what you do for a living, what your day to day looks like. So then we have that framework so we can jump into your more specific story. Definitely. So I would say uh, right now, Zach, 70% of my work involves training. So uh, within the Avid, Adobe and Apple spectrum, uh, you can find a bunch of my courses right now on Linda. So I have about, uh, I think, 12 courses in the library and even two more to come. And I also do uh, tutorials and training for a bunch of the third-party plugins. So you could find uh, right now a, a series on, on GenArts, which is a, um, a plugin maker. We're now owned by Boris, but uh, I just recently did about 20 or 30 videos with them in terms of a top 10. So a lot of my experience comes to... Uh, recording online videos. So I am sitting at a desk a lot of the time, if that uh, if that uh, spells it out correctly, where I'm si sitting engaged at the desk and I'm doing online tutorials in terms of the editing apps or motion graphic apps, right? And on the other 30% involves production uh, that could be anywhere from branding activation videos that I film around the city of Toronto or even let's say documentary style internal video. So that having been said, you spend most of your time in front of a computer, but you also have that blend of where you're in the production world. And that's a very, very different lifestyle where depending on your role, you may not sit for 12 or 14 hours and you're on your feet all day long, correct? That's correct. So when I am on the production, I am very active. Uh, I would be overseeing the production more than let's say grabbing a camera. But uh, yes, it, it's a totally different spectrum. But uh, it's up, it's active. You know, you're you're running around, and uh, hopefully, depending on the size of the crew, or 
it's on the completely flip side of the spectrum, which is, is more of what I do, which is more in the edit and post room. So editing on a laptop or recording on a laptop or in some cases, yeah, putting together pieces on the laptop and being stagnant. So because you're in kind of both worlds and there are a fair amount of people that are in our industry and that are also in other creative industries that kind of blur the line between these two. Um, I think the term now is predator, which I've, I've never really liked that term, but basically it's a producer slash editor where you kind of do go back and forth. And a lot of people that listen to the show are 100% of the time, the creatives behind the computer like me. On average, I'm behind one computer for 14 hours a day. But having been in both sides where you kind of have one toe in the totally sedentary lifestyle and then another toe in the moving around all day, what differences do you notice in in your ability to create thoughts, have energy and really work when you're in both of those spaces. So I have certain routines in place when it comes to the, the stagnant nature of, of my business in order for me to have that creativity and have that focus. Uh, but on your point, when I am up and about in, involved in the production, I, I feel a little bit more alert. I feel more active. I'm also engaging with people and with that engagement and with Communications Act, I, I just find my energy levels tend to be up. I tend to be almost even a little bit brighter than I would say in a period where I'm involved in post at a computer where I, I have a, a series of let's call it safe holds in place to make sure that I can mimic those levels of creativity that I would experience in a production. Well, I definitely want to get to those safe holes. And that's a brand new term that I've never heard before that uh, I may have to steal because that's a fun one. But before we go to kind of down to the, the road to all of your solutions, let's now dig a little bit more into what brought you to contact me, because you said that you had uh, a story that you felt needed to be shared. So let's kind of start from uh, from there. So let, let's uh, rewind back to uh, April of this year. Uh, it was just around NAB. And I had gained about 10 pounds from January to April. I wasn't feeling very good. Uh, this was a period of a, of a, a huge stagnation. I was at a computer. I, I wasn't working out effectively. I'll term it. I'll basically term it. And I wanted to change something. I, I, I didn't know what was going on. I needed something to uplift. I, I needed to feel good. And I wanted to feel involved. So I took a couple steps. There was also some autoimmune issues that were happening that I, I, I wanted to address. And I couldn't really determine it. But I had started doing some uh, some research online and how food is part of a factor in terms of that lifestyle and really look at what I was eating. And I decided to take a, have you heard of a food allergy test? Oh yeah, yeah, sure, of course. So I took a, an allergy test and I wanted to see what I was allergic to. And I looked at my overall diet and, and I, I got back this sheet and I was like in the red zone for a couple major things. So, so one was wheat and the other was dairy. And dairy was fairly consistent within my diet and, and wheat uh, more so in occasions of, yes, I, I, not so much uh, breads or complex carbs, but uh, when I went out to drink beer. So I looked at the sheet and I was just amazed and, and, and was kind of disheartened at the time of like, okay, what am I feeding myself? And I decided to do a challenge where I, not only a challenge, but cut out all of the items that were in the red zone for 30 days and also not drink. And combined with that, work out 
vigorously for at least 45 minutes a day for six days a week. And during this period in July, I lost just over 25 pounds. And that was in just 30 days. That was in just 30 days. Yeah. So that so this it's funny because this is the exact opposite of the approach that I take, which is I always talk to people about not doing the all or nothing, not going crazy and changing your entire life. But you've done it and you did it successfully for those 30 days. What I'm really way more interested in is where things went from there, because people that watch, like, for example, The Biggest Loser, I don't know if you guys have that in Canada or have something like it. But, you know, with The Biggest Loser, they have people that are four or five hundred pounds. And that's not an exaggeration. They are actually that large. They do crazy deprivation diets. They burn calories like madmen. They turn into like these these hanging bags of skin where they're like one hundred and fifty. 50 pounds. And there are these amazing success stories. What NBC is not broadcasting afterwards is that six months to a year later, the vast majority of every single one of them has not only gained the weight back, but they've gained more back because of how badly they mess with all of their hormones. So now I'm really interested to hear how you kept up with it. That's the part I'm interested in is the long game. So let's, let's keep going. Definitely. So yeah, so that was the short game, and that's what I did for those 30 days. And there came a period, Zach, I, I guess the biggest thing was in July or August where I, I started to put on – it ended up by September me putting on these – an additional 10 pounds from what I had lost. So in September, I started asking myself these questions like, okay, you, you just kind of went through this crazy diet, which is probably, like you had mentioned, almost unsustainable. So how do you balance it out? And I started to look at various ways that I could basically contain or have a healthy lifestyle at the same point in time, keep the weight off. And this is, this is where I would, let's say, lead to now. This involved a few things where I think I went a little bit overboard with exercise. I, I'm still very balanced with exercise. I actually do, um, right now I do yoga uh, four times a week. And that is my form of exercise for, for over an hour. The reason I chose that as an activity uh, mostly is I find it the biggest challenge to me in terms of flexibility, but also it, um, it relates towards mindfulness to me during the, the practice. And for me, that has been one of the, the things that has kept me grounded. Well, and when you mention yoga, and I have a couple other questions before we go too much further, but when you mention yoga, I don't want to um, kind of just let this fall off the, the wayside here because everybody that listens to the show regularly knows how much I talk about yoga. I built an entire yoga library into my program. And when you say it's all about flexibility, you're right. However, what I try to really emphasize to people is it's way more about flexibility of your mind than it is of your muscles and your tendons. And I, I'll put a link Links in the show notes to a couple of uh, past episodes that I did with one of my favorite human beings on the planet that's a certified yoga instructor and runs an online yoga studio. But it really is about reframing your mind and developing that sense of mindfulness. And I was really surprised when I did these yoga episodes because I'm like, oh God, editors, they don't want to hear about yoga. They don't care about this stuff. But I got a really good response because people would say, man, I just started doing it like 15, 20 minutes a day and my days are easier and I don't get as upset when I get notes. And it really is, a, it makes a major difference. Oh yeah. I love how you how you just frame that like flexibility of mind versus um, flexibility of body because I completely agree. And when I had approached yoga, this is about two or three years ago. Like I could 
Zach, I could barely, let's say, touch my toes. You know, I, I never would consider myself to be a, a very flexible person, or at least when you see people who were, let's say, advanced in the practice uh, perform it, it, it almost was like I felt like I wasn't able to do it. And in looking at it more and more, it, it just became so important for me to do it just because of, in some cases, because of my stagnant lifestyle for sitting at a desk for long periods of time, uh, which I'm also, which I also try to target these days. But I would say in the last two or three months, uh, for me doing this repetitively, my amount of hip flexibility, especially around the core area, has greatly improved. Uh, and this was something I did not experience so much in July, but this built up from that continued practice. And on top of that, I always work out in the morning. So I am finished this before I, I hit the desk or hit the computer. So this is just one of, I would say, several accomplishments that I I feel before I, I start my workday. Yeah, and I love that you're looking at it as an accomplishment before the workday, looking at how it's affecting the quality of your workday. Um, so now we've kind of gone into, into one of your habits that you have. But before we go further, I actually want to step backwards a second because there's one clarification that I want to get from you. And you had said that you had lost 25 pounds in 30 days doing this crazy diet. When you said that you gained the weight back, did you gain 10 pounds of it back? Or you're saying you actually gained 35 pounds, meaning the 25 plus an additional 10? No, no, no. I gained, I gained 10 pounds of it back. So not, the, not in addition. Yes. Right. Okay. Well, that, well, then that's good because usually it's whatever you lost. You like the the basic math is when you do a crazy program like that. Whatever you lost, take that and add ten percent. That's generally what happens when you mess with your hormones in a crazy way like that. But I'm glad to hear that you didn't actually gain thirty five of it back. So to go deeper into that specifically, because I've been down this road too, where I've trained for tough mudder Spartan races. I've done P ninety X for six days a week for ninety days, and P ninety X is on average seventy five minutes a day and one that's or two days a week, it's actually nine. Oh, so, you, so you've been through that whole program. That's, that's what I did for, um, I didn't do the entire program, but I, I was with it for 60, 60 to 70 days. And that's amazing because most people, there are millions of people that own P90X, millions of them. Yeah. But I, th I think the statistic, and this is not specific to P90X, this is specific to exercise programs in general and diets in general, but I think it's roughly 96% of them fail. So about 4% of people actually reach that final goal. But you saying you got to 60 days, rarely do I meet anybody that got that far. It's usually week two or week three where people say, you have got to be kidding me. I can't even get out of bed in the morning. There's no way that I can sustain this. Uh, and I've been there too. I did. It took me three tries to get through P90X through all 90 days. And that was just because I had the fear of death put in me because I was running my first Tough Mudder. So that was the only motivation I had to finish it. But let, let's go back to that point where you had gained the 10 pounds back. How long did it take you to gain those 10 pounds after your 30 day crazy diet? Oh, it was, uh, it was two months. Okay. Yeah. And it was a series of, at this period in time, uh, I, I had gone on vacation and a bunch of other things. So I was a little bit less active. So this is, uh, how I had gained it. And while I haven't lost all of that, I have lost, it was the initial 25 pounds that I had gained 10 pounds of that back. And now I'm five pounds down. So for the year, I'm 20 pounds down. 
My sincerest apologies for the interruption, but if you're a creative professional who spends long hours at your workstation, not only is the following promo not an interruption, but listening has the potential to change your life. Because working with a topo mat underneath you at a height adjustable workstation is a game changer. Let's learn a little bit more from ErgoDriven co-founder and CEO Kit Perkins, creator of the topo mat. The topo mat is the first anti-fatigue mat designed specifically for standing desks. The real benefit of a standing desk is movement. We found bringing in this cushioned terrain under your feet, your brain just subconsciously engages and you wander around and you get that movement at the standing desk that you need without even having to think about it at all. People will come to me at an event or a panel and they'll say, I got the topo mat because of you. Even when they had a mat, once they used this one, it was a total game changer. We've just heard time and time again that with topo, we've kind of hit the sweet spot that it's the right premium quality materials and a right shape that people are actually getting benefit out of this stuff. You spend more time here than anywhere if you do creative work the way that I do. So I would rather be driving around in a Ferrari than a Ford Pinto. And I feel like this is the Ferrari of the standing mat. One of the things you don't realize is that at a standing desk, your main interface to the world, your body's main interface to the world is the ground. If you're gonna invest in anything at that Ferrari level, it should be what you're standing on. Well, my goal is that for anybody that is a creative professional like myself, that's stuck in front of a computer for inordinate amounts of time of their waking life, they're doing it standing on a tilt Matt. So uh, you and I, my friend, one edit station at a time are going to change the world. I like it. That's a utopian vision I can get on board with. If you're a creative professional looking for a simple and affordable way to stay active, energetic, and focused while spending long hours at your height adjustable workstation, I can't stress enough how important it is to have the right mat underneath you, which is why I continue to share the Topo Mat as my number one product recommendation. To learn more about the Topo Mat and purchase yours, visit optimizeyourself.me Topo. That's T-O-P-O. Right. So the, I was going to say that the, the net gain is still incredibly positive based on where you were in April, yes. where you said, I just don't feel like myself and I need to do something about it. Um, so what exactly was that one turning point where you had done the 30 to 60 days, you looked at the scale and you're like, holy crap, I just lost 25 pounds. This is amazing. What was that moment where you're like, I don't think this is going to work? There wasn't a specific moment, to be totally honest. It was I had just started to introduce an idea of, let me start reintroducing some of these foods. I, I then just started, because my natural pattern wasn't to work out as much. I had started, I, I would say, working out less effectively. And then through the vacation that I took with my girlfriend, I had just started to indulge a little bit too much. I also think my sleeping patterns were off at the time. So those were some things that came into play that I would say affected that weight gain. Now, the, the aha moment was when I looked back at that in trying to look at a, a lifestyle where I guess I could maintain a workout as well as maintain eating healthy, but nothing so extreme that it fits into my lifestyle. So I don't know if I explained that completely well, but the, I guess the idea would be to there was, there was something extremely positive about what I did in those uh, 30 days, that accomplishment, uh, in terms of being able to cut out certain foods and to, to not drink as much. And what I wanted to do was just, how do I now take a look at my existing lifestyle and how do I fit it into something that I can live into? The biggest important thing that I wanna take into now and into next year 
is I want to have a healthy lifestyle consistently. So I don't want to think of it. The word diet to me these days, or like thinking of the word diet is almost something temporarily. And I'm trying to replace that with the word lifestyle in terms of, okay, how am I going to develop these patterns in terms of eating, exercise, uh, nutrition, sleep, meditation to fit my existing lifestyle? And how do I continue to be consistent? So that's what's important to me. And that's like, I guess I would say the the brain shift, Zach, is from getting that idea of like temporary diet towards long-term lifestyle. Make sense? Yeah, not only does it make sense, but you're preaching to the choir. I mean, that's exactly, I had the, the same aha moment, which was the spark of inspiration for this entire program was I had done the full P90X program and admittedly it took me 100 days, not 90, so I had a few skip days, but I did every single workout and I did it in 100 days and I ran my uh, my Tough Mudder a week later, so I give myself a week of recovery, ran the Tough Mudder, got home, and then I had like a bag of Doritos for dinner to celebrate. I'm like, this is awesome, and then I woke up the next morning and I'm like, I don't wanna keep doing this, this is too hard, so I'm I'm just gonna do something else. But then a week went by and then two weeks went by. And one of the things that happens when you do these crazy deprivation diets and exercise programs, if you stop, like you were saying, you started to indulge, your brain is still expecting this huge amount of calories to come in, but you're not keeping up trying to burn all this energy. So that's why partly you gain all this weight back so fast and you're also completely messing up your appetite regulation hormones. So you're hungry all the freaking time. And I've talked about this with Natalie before because she's a marathon runner where she could eat a horse after she does a hard workout and that's great but if you just stop and you do a vacation for a week or two weeks or whatever your body and your brain are saying where is all this food but there's no balance between them and that's why it's not sustainable long term and yes like this is all about lifestyle design for me and that's not my term that's um that's tim ferris's term and i don't want to claim i've designed or really invented the idea of lifestyle design but for me it really is about finding what is long-term sustainable however the one thing I do want to highlight, and the caveat before this is that anybody that's not aware, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a certified nutritionist, I'm just a dude that loves geeking out on this stuff, so I'll be very clear about that. But one of the things you did that is very beneficial long-term is you found out, I have an allergy to specific foods. You did a 100% elimination of those foods for 30 days, and then you introduced them back in to see how you reacted. That is something that I definitely advise for people that are concerned that there is a certain type of food that's affecting them. So I don't want people to think that's a crazy deprivation diet. That is very smart long-term thinking if you need to reshape your diet. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, I, there's certain foods that I don't um, have very often, like dairy is, I don't think anything I can have. I, I react to it actually, where uh, one thing I've noticed uh, is when that I do have dairy, these are apparently two common symptoms is I, I have bags under my eyes and then a, a runny nose. That's after me having dairy or having a dairy intake. So it's just something I just don't have very often. I mean, I will have it at, uh, during the holidays, but it is something that is, uh, I've continued to eliminate from my diet as well as the additionally other high one, which is, which is wheat. Um, or wheat products. Yeah, and, and both both wheat and dairy are absolutely infamous for creating inflammation in your body and in your brain. So when you're seeing bags under your eyes, that's inflammation. That's your body puffing up and inflamed because 
our bodies are not designed to have large amounts of wheat and dairy in our diet. So I promise I'm not going to be going down this black hole. I've done it before and I don't want to do it for this episode. But very, very briefly, the human body should not be ingesting either of those things on a regular basis because that's not like think about another mammal in the animal kingdom that drinks milk after their babies. Nobody does except us because cheese is amazing. It's fantastic. Like, why wouldn't you, right? But our bodies aren't designed to ingest it. And the same goes with wheat. But because of the giant multi-billion dollar machine behind it, there are dietitians that got the government to flip the food pyramid upside down. So rather than having trace amounts of these, we've been thinking for decades, oh, this should be a staple of my diet. That's not according to science in the human body. That's according to food marketers. But I promise shutting down the black hole now will continue with your story. No, and um, yeah, cheese is, uh, uh, that is, I would say, the, the biggest part or the biggest challenge that I have uh, with dairy for sure. There's a, uh, just to let you know, Zach, there's a, um, a market, it's called St. Lawrence Market. It's a, it's a downtown, they have a farmer's market on Saturdays. So there is a ton of, of healthy food, but some of the cheeses there are just, you know, to die for. But um, yeah, I just, uh, so those were some of the things were to try to continue to cut those out, which was great. One of the biggest things, uh, the most influential things to me over the last four months is um, how I've been treating my mornings. There was a book that I was uh, actually referred to from my, my girlfriend, who's a, a mindfulness coach. And the, the book is called, I'm, I'm sure it, might, it had probably has come up at some point, called The Miracle Morning. Have you heard of it? Yeah, no, I, I've actually read it. So I'm, I'm very aware well of uh, Hal Elrod. Yeah, it's a great book. I recommend everybody read it. Yeah, so I started to develop these patterns in the morning. So that, that um, there's this idea of, of, of that you do six things, or which he calls savers. And in the morning, that involves uh, one thing is meditation, Right. So in terms of uh, I meditate uh, using the app Headspace, that's my primary go to. Uh, I've been doing that for over a year and I would say I've, I've, I've skipped about 12 days overall, but I've been fairly consistent with that, which has made some huge differences in, in terms of, uh, I would say, my lifestyle as well as my focus. Another thing uh, that is something that I had never done before, which was the um, he calls it scribing, but it's the journaling process. And I had done journaling before, but my, my journaling had tended to be negative, if that makes any sense. And there was a recommendation in his book to uh, get this daily journal. And this uh, journal forces you to reflect and, and to be positive. So it's all about uh, positivity. So it asks you to come up with a daily affirmation, which is huge. Ask or, or basically say things that you are thankful for at the start of the day. And then there's a part of the journal also that's uh, designed to for you to write in at night as well. So you reflect on your day uh, and say, these are things that I am thankful for for the day. And there's only one section where it's like that, where you could wish for, uh, let's say, something to have gone better. But um, using this type of journaling was huge for me. So that was one thing as it had a built-in affirmation. And I also then have a, a list of affirmations that I read every morning that are, are, are mixed between, you know, trying to say the um, things in terms of, of, of what I, I want in terms of creativity, as well as what I want for my career mixed with what I want for my lifestyle. Then on, on top of that, there, uh, I do some visualizations. I use uh, primarily uh, Pinterest to come up with vision boards. 
And then I perform exercise and that exercise mostly is yoga and not, it's not necessarily P90X, but uh, I, I do subscribe to uh, Beachbody on Demand, Zach. And they've recently um, really stepped up their game in terms of their yoga library, um, where they, they had a, I think it was back in September, I think it was a 20-day yoga challenge, or maybe it was a 15-day yoga challenge. I'm not exactly sure, but they had three instructors uh, on there. And the challenge was just for you to do uh, anywhere between 20 and 30 minutes of yoga a day. And one thing that I had never been into is it's, it's, it's actually just bare basics. And uh, one of the, the coaches, uh, Ted, was in one of the P90X videos. Yeah, he was in P90X3. I, I don't know him personally, but I know of Ted. I know the guy you're talking about. Yeah, so he was in one of the, the, the P90X videos. But these instructors were just fantastic. And they brought a level of awareness, I would say, to my practice that I'd never had before. It was like I had gone to different flows and, and Ashtanga yoga practices, but instead of assume, like assuming, they basically assumed, I guess, with the practice that everything, everyone was new. So their attention to detail in terms of their descriptions and stretches were, in terms of the routines that they had recommended, were just huge. It was just such a game changer to me. And, and really, I would say that was, is one thing that really um, opened up my practice. And it gave me just this, uh, whether it be a mix of, uh, of routine or, or continually doing it, uh, mixed with their instruction, but that was just something that was just a huge benefit to me. And uh, it's something that I still continue to do. They're now continuing to expand to that library. So where it started off with just like the, the this yoga challenge of a certain amount of days, now each of the, sorry, there were there are four instructors have uh, anywhere from 10 to 30 minute uh, yoga routines online from beginner to intermediate. And it's just great to kind of go in there and, and, and switch up and have something that I can perform at home. Well, for anybody that's listening, I will put links in the show notes for both Beachbody On Demand, because I'm also a huge advocate of it. It's basically the Netflix of online workouts, so you don't need to buy the DVD packages anymore. It's, it's You can get any workout you want on demand anytime, 24-7. And I'm also going to put a link to Yogi's Anonymous, which is a library that I subscribe to as well. And this is uh, the library from Allie Hamilton, who I've had on the show before. But there are like 14 things I want to talk about in all of that, because that was just fantastic. The first of which is that I never expected to have an editor on my show and start talking about Ashtanga yoga. That's a first for me. Um, so now, now that, now that you're using words like Ashtanga and I know you've been down that path, like I, you and I could geek out for hours and we certainly won't. Cause I know my audience is like, I don't know what that means and whatever, but anyway, very excited to, to have a fellow editor uh, that, uh, that knows that world. But what I want to go backwards before we hit the yoga and actually talk about the morning. Because that is so vital and so key, and it's actually something that I teach in my Optimize Yourself program is how to lay out your morning routine, your evening routine, how to structure the questions. But I know that there were people that were saying affirmations, like, really? Like, come on, daily affirmations and vision boards, like, that's just a bunch of crud. And one thing that I want to make very, very clear to people is that I like science. I like numbers. I like analytics. 
And there is a ton of documented science that shows that you can re-engineer your level of happiness simply by creating more positive thoughts. So we are so conditioned to believe that happiness is external. When I get this job, when I make this amount of money, when I get this car, but it's very, very clear that that doesn't work out. And you talk to anybody that's achieved those things, that the first thing they say is, God, this is it, really? So for people that listen to this that are more interested in the career side of things, you're not gonna be successful and become happy. It's the opposite. Once you're happy, then you will become successful. And one of the easiest cheapest ways to re-engineer your level of happiness is a morning routine just like you discussed. And it sounds like you've had that exact experience. Yes, exactly. And uh, this is something now, so this was one of the, uh, I guess the big uh, shifts that started for me in October was to have a, um, a daily morning uh, routine and ritual involving all of these things. And um, Zach, I, I had not looked into all of the science of these things, but wanted to give these ideas of daily affirmations a chance and, and, and also just being able to write or describe. And to, uh, I think the, the, the most amazing th thing to me, again, about this like morning ritual is that the time is focused on you and all of the things that are involved, I guess, with the miracle morning, or even if you took two or three of them, they're all about you, and it's something that you're doing even before uh, you start your workday. And there's something to me about having these affirmations to visualize and to meditate that has given me a, a level of clarity uh, within my work that I haven't experienced before. And to me, that's gold. I think another thing is, as editors uh, in the post-production industry, we all search for levels of balance. And I've seen peers who have, you know, who work themselves into, let's call it a black hole, who will uh, work several hours a day, might not sleep, and they just not necessarily treating themselves well in terms of, of exercise. And to me, I, I guess, for me to have a, a future in this industry, to me, it's so important to have a balance. Uh, and you were just actually talking about um, happiness as well and re-engineering the mind. And you reminded me of this amazing exhibit I saw back in Toronto. This is about three and a half years ago. It was um, by a, a TED talker. His name is Stefan Sagmeister. Have you heard of him? No, this is a new one to me. Okay. So you have to watch this TED Talks. It's, a, it's based, so um, one of the TED Talks is about uh, seven rules for uh, making more happiness. And he's uh, one one thing that he was uh, really big about, or another um, TED talk that he has, he's designed um, covers for Rolling Stone. He's um, a designer in all different levels, and one of his, his big thing is he he talks about um, one of his exhibits was all about happiness. And right at the, at the beginning of the exhibit, if I remember right, was the question is how happy are you? And it was from one to ten, and basically what was amazing about that is whatever number you chose is how happy you are. And the whole exhibit went through various levels of happiness, like how happy are people who have families? And it was uh, statistics uh, mixed with just uh, beautiful typography and design. And you should totally just check out some of his um, some podcasts because he talks about being happy. And then he also talks about uh, one thing that he's done is he's taken several sabbaticals throughout his work career in order to refresh and recycle new creative ideas. So he's taken anywhere from six months to a year, and he's just fantastic to listen to, so you should totally check it out. 
I have spent almost 10 years now raving about how much I love my topo mat, and I have finally discovered what I now consider the topo mat of desk chairs, the Core 360. The Core 360, spelled Q-O-R, is designed to keep me constantly moving while seated in an upright and balanced position. To learn more about how it works, let's hear from Core 360 founder, Dr. Turner Osler, about why he created the Core 360 active sitting chair. When you sit badly, you sit badly for many hours a day, and that's really what the problem is. It's very hard to make yourself get up and do jumping jacks every half hour, but if you just swap to a chair that requires you to be muscularly engaged in order not to fall off, it's an easy bar to clear. For the procrastinators out there who hear all of the statistics and know how bad sitting is and it's the new smoking and they're thinking, that's something I'll worry about in a few decades, you're gonna feel the effects of having more energy at two o'clock in the afternoon or four o'clock in the afternoon that day. And that's the whole point. Your core muscles will be stronger. You'll have less back pain. All of this will make you more available for the rest of the pursuits of your life, your kids, your hobbies, your whatever. For for those of us who need to practically live in front of computers to do our best creative work, the Core 360 is going to level up your game. Keep your body moving and keep the creativity flowing. To learn more and purchase what I consider to be the topo mat of desk chairs, please go to optimizeyourself.me slash core360. That's optimizeyourself.me slash QOR360. Yeah, I will definitely watch it myself, seek it out, and I will make sure that by the time this episode airs that I will have a link to this TED Talk because it sounds like it's right up my alley. Well, I, this has gone into like crazy tangents that I didn't ever expect, so I'm super excited about that. Um, but I, I would like to talk more now about how these things, like you said, have specifically affected your creativity at work and the habits that you've established when you're in that sedentary mode. So if you're running around set, you're grabbing cameras, you're grabbing sandbags, that's a world that there's going to be a lot of movement throughout the day. And like you said, you're fresher, you're brighter. I would really be interested to know how you live throughout your day when you're in sedentary mode. Because at the end of the day, I don't talk about trying to lose weight, trying to eat less calories. Like I don't give a crap about any of that stuff. What I'm interested in is designing a long-term lifestyle that's all about making sure you're maximizing your levels of energy and creativity so that you can do awesome work during the day, have fun, and then have energy left over when you get home to your family at night. Like that's my whole shtick. So how have you used all this to design your life in sedentary mode? Yes. So, okay. So I go through the, the, the miracle morning steps uh, essentially. And then I, I would say by the time that I, I hit my computer, um, there is a level of, of, of focus uh, that has developed over the time that I, again, haven't really experienced before. Now in terms of the, the work day, so let's call it nine to five or potentially nine to six or nine to seven. Uh, nine to five is a half day for most of the people listening. Yeah, They're exactly. like, I'd give anything to work nine to five. Yeah. Nine to five. So, so, so talking about that day, um, I, uh, one thing that I have developed, um, um, is to make sure that I get myself up at least once an hour for a period of five to 10 minutes. So I don't have um, an elliptical at my desk, but that's something that I've been, I've been looking into. But I do make sure that I am standing now uh, for a period of at least uh, 10 minutes on the hour, and I'm trying to actually increase that even more. But it's something where I have, um, I forget the name of the app. I, I know there's like about three or four different apps, but I do have an app or a timer that um, forces me to, to get up 
after a certain period of time. Uh, another thing I like to do uh, is in certain cases, I'll actually try to pull myself away from something or pull myself away from the computer or the screen for a, a slight period of time in order to come back to whatever it is I'm working on with uh, more energy and vigor. Another thing is also just, I don't eat in front of the computer. So this is a huge thing for me. I used to, to eat in, in front of a computer, like so I would uh, order a salad or let's say order um, something even worse, let's say a, a hamburger. I would be eating with my hamburger, but still engaged in the computer. And, and what I found about that is that it's just, um, I wasn't being mindful of eating. And I was actually almost, almost too, I wasn't chewing enough. So another thing that I do is to make sure that I um, actually eat away from the computer and I'm uh, mindful of, uh, of that eating. So these are some things that uh, I have in place in that workday. So uh, making sure that I'm not completely sitting down the entire time, like just being able to stand up at least that 10 minutes an hour, being able to eat mindfully, that's a huge thing for me. And I don't have a routine for this as much as uh, other things. Sometimes I'll, I'll try to even um, pick up some weights or do a little bit of exercise uh, throughout the day to try to keep my metabolism up. So those are some uh, things that I have in place. Other things throughout the, the workday when I begin, I, I always have a, a to-do list of actionable items, uh, which I divide into two categories. One are um, actionable items that uh, take under two to three minutes, and then others are longer-term actionable items. And I'll, I'll go through this list and, and decide how to go about my workday based on looking at it before I engage in those activities, right? Uh, some based on priority, others based on how quickly can I action a certain item. So those are some of the, the things I have in place during the day. This is a thing I don't have in place. Um, and this is kind of the, the future for me, Zach, because you're talking about energy levels also when you go home. And something that I'm trying to be mindful of uh, these days is screen time. Like, I love my computer. <laughs> But um, I sometimes use it at night and I'm trying to make sure, at least for the last couple of weeks, that I don't engage with my screen at night. And I also have downloaded a ton of apps for my desktop and I'm using the new um, night shift in the iPhone to make sure that uh, my eyes adjust now to, to you know, getting rid of that, um, that horrible uh, light that uh, doesn't really really help us to sleep, if you know what I mean. Yes. So uh, so my, my big thing is right now is um, one of my challenges is trying to fill some of my last hour in the evening uh, with something other than a screen. Yeah, and that's, and that's not easy because we are addicted to our technology. And um, I did a full one hour deep dive into the science of sleep and technology and blue lights and all these other things. I'll put a link to my episode with Sean Stevenson, who is probably one of the top three foremost experts in this field and just released a huge best-selling book on the topic. So I won't go too deep into that if people want to listen more. But you did open a bit of a can of worms that could easily become an entire episode. But we've been talking... So 
so far about movement and nutrition, but you just opened the productivity rabbit hole. And everybody knows I love to talk about productivity, so much so that I actually have a weekly course coming out on Linda that is productivity for post-production. So specifically, all these different tactics that you can do every single week for an entire year to become more productive. But you talked about one that's so important, and it sounds tiny, but I want to break this down further, which is the idea of separating your tasks. And what you're actually doing is creating contexts. So my question is, where did you learn how to separate those tasks? And then I want to dig a little bit deeper into how we can even maximize that further. So so I was working at this training center just about five years ago. It was called Witch Education. They were a split center between uh, they did technology training in terms of uh, Avid Adobe Apple training, which is the site I worked for. But they also did management training. And uh, the boss at the time, uh, Greg Witz, had recommended a book to me called uh, Getting Things Done. And this is uh, uh, the book that I read in terms of how to split things into to various actionable items. So things that you could finish in uh, under a certain amount of time and then other things that take longer than that short period of time, that uh, two to three minutes. So that's how I, I kind of started to go about my uh, to-do lists and then just be basically being able to uh, file things in certain areas of actionable items. So that was a, a huge thing. And sorry, Zach, you had actually just mentioned, it's so funny, I, I didn't hear him on your show, uh, This sorry, The Sleep Expert, John Stevenson. I heard him on another uh, podcast just recently. He's like just absolutely fantastic. He's the guy who I learned about the night shift from. As a Christmas gift, I actually got his book uh, for my girlfriend. Nice. <laughs> well, here, here, here's the funny thing. I swear on my children, you and I didn't talk at all before this podcast. We had no agenda, but I feel like you're just basically running down this laundry list of all of the, the different guests that I have. I swear we didn't plan any of this, but David Allen was just on my podcast, the inventor of the getting things done system. So I didn't feed you that question thinking that you were going to get like, I had no idea. But as you were saying, it, I'm like, I bet he's going to say it's getting things done. I'm like, oh, my God. So that's amazing. So, yes, that that was one thing that I wanted to highlight is um, and I have a, an entire blog post about the idea of contextual editing, where you're not just saying, I've got a whole bunch of stuff to do. Let me just go down my list. If you break it down into different categories and mindsets or contexts, you can become immensely more efficient. But it's not just about I can get done work faster. You can actually be more creative and more focused. And it sounds like you've experienced that. Yes, totally. 100 percent. And from that book that uh, getting things done or did that lesson that I learned, especially getting when you go about just being able to complete a series of actionable items that are short and to have that focus so that, um, you know, the mind is not so scattered in thinking about all those things uh, made a huge difference to me in terms of being able to go about my day and uh, become engaged, whether it be uh, with a video edit or with a video recording, right? Um, in terms of putting together a solid piece of education, so to speak, right? Where I am, I'm focused and in that moment. So those were some huge things in terms of that book that I 
um, that I learned from. Yeah, and one, one of the keys of focus, and this is something I have studied for years and years, and it was out of necessity. It's not because I said, ooh, I'm a focused person and I wanna teach other people how to be focused like me. I was the opposite. I was diagnosed with adult onset ADD and I couldn't get anything done. I would have huge laundry lists of things to do and I was running a business at the time and I would just sit on the couch in my office and do nothing. And I would just pull my hair out saying, I don't know what I should be doing. I don't know what I should, I have so much to do. I, like I was so overwhelmed. I was having panic attacks. I was having anxiety attacks. And it was really just because I couldn't prioritize the work that I was doing. And anybody listening now was like, but you're like a productivity guy and you're efficient. Like, trust me, I wasn't. I was a total basket case. But one of the fundamental things about focus that people don't realize, they're always looking for the app. They're always looking for what's the next cool thing that's going to help me be focused. The number one thing that helps you be focused is having the confidence that what you're doing right now is the thing that you should be doing. If you're not second guessing, should I be doing this? Are there other things I should be doing? Once you know in your mind, this is absolutely the only thing that's important right now, your focus goes through the roof. And having those lists, I think I'm, I'm, I have to go check out your, uh, your that, that David uh, Allen podcast that you did. But yeah, to knowing, having that knowledge that knowing what you're doing at the time is what you are should be doing, I think to me is just, it's completely uplifting. And I'm so amazed at being able to, to see, I'm not trying to toot my own horn too much, but it, it's been amazing for myself to reflect on where I've been, uh, where I've come in terms of, of productivity based on implementing uh, routines within my before work, and during work and how I'm kind of super excited to continue along this path to continue being able to, to do this work in the creative field. These things that I've implemented into, into my, my daily life, so the, the morning ritual, which is just uh, huge for me, uh, placing a list before I, I start to go about my work day, are I've seen a huge improvement in, in, the, in what I am producing. And it might not be so much in terms of amount, but where I really notice it is in terms of quality and having that, that quality as well as also having, in some cases, that amount gives me that feeling that I am, you know, the tasks that I am doing during the day are what I should be doing. And that's just been through practice of being able to put these, these, let's say, uh, for safe holes or whatever you may call them, this, this routine into place into my da uh, daily work life. Yeah, and I mean, that, that, that couldn't encapsulate it better. Um, and speaking of focus, I wanna make sure that I am respectful of your time and allow you to get back to your work because we're just about running to the end. But um, before we go, um, I know that you said that you're really interested in trying to kind of get over that final hump where you said you've really figured out the morning, you figured out the work thing, now it's time to figure out the after work thing. So what is your, what is your plan then? And for, for those listening, this will be airing in 2017, but we're actually recording it right before the holidays. So having that context in mind, what is the plan for 2017 to go to that next level? Yes. So the plan uh, in 2017 to go to the next level really has to do with my night routine, which we mentioned. Um, and, and really it's trying to remove myself from the screen for the last hour. It's something that um, I've already started to implement, but I'm always weary of, of making New Year's resolutions just because I don't want to jump on that bandwagon train. Of, so I, I like to put them into place before that. 
there's something, I, I guess, just to me refreshing rather than start to, to carry something out on January 1st. So I've already started uh, trying to do different things at night versus looking at a screen. And it's as simple as, uh, to me, just being able to pick up a book and, and read it, uh, to engage in a conversation with my girlfriend and to just chat about something before bed. While technology driven, I'm not staring at the screen. There's a, a couple of uh, meditation apps that I've also utilized in terms of trying to be able to, to relax. Um, other things too, like engagement of just being able to, to listen to music. But the main two uh, that have been you know, over the last little couple of weeks are uh, reading and conversation versus staring at the light. Yeah, and then the other thing is I'm going to, I'm exploring more and more. Um, so I'm, I'm going to totally steal the, uh, the book that I, I just bought for my girlfriend, the, the book that, that's written by um, Sean Stevenson and, and try to develop some of those patterns for better sleep, let's call it. Um, Cause I think that's going to make a, a huge difference in my overall routine as well. Sure. And one thing that I can uh, direct you to, uh, I actually wrote uh, an entire cheat sheet for that book. So it's kind of like the, the cliff notes for oh, the podcast and for the book. So if you go to the show notes for that episode, you can just download. It's like I said, you basically in, 10, 15 minutes, here's kind of the greatest hits, then you should absolutely read the book. I'm not saying don't, don't read it, but um, if you want, like, here's the, here's the very quick get started version. I wrote one of those myself just to kind of coincide with the podcast so people had the motivation to get started. Because a lot of times it's like, oh, this is a great book. And then it goes on the shelf and, and then it becomes shelf help instead of self-help. And the idea is that I wanted to get people started. Oh, here's a couple of quick wins. Let me do those. Now I want to jump into the book. So that's, if you wanted to look at that, that uh, can help you get started. Awesome. But that having been the case, I had no idea where this conversation would go. Like, frankly, I was like, oh, he wants to be on the show. He sounds like he's got a great story. Awesome. Five minutes before I get an alert, it says, hey, I need to talk to Nick on Skype. Okay. What are we going to talk about today? So this has just been absolutely fantastic, well above and beyond my expectations. And I'm so, so happy that you could come on the show and talk about this stuff and very candidly share your story. So I really, really appreciate it. Awesome. And thanks for entertaining the idea of having me on here. Yeah, absolutely. So if, uh, before we go, if people want to learn more about your work, they want to find all of your trainings because you're obviously you're all over the place. Yeah. Um, if people want to find everything that you're doing, where can they go? Well, you can uh, you can find me on Twitter at Clips and Handles. Uh, and at the time being, you can also come to go to clipsandhandles.com. That's my uh, my website right now. And you can also check out my courses on lynda.com. I mostly have them in the Final Cut Pro uh, series. And I'm, I'm going to be doing a couple extra applications starting next year in, in the Adobe spree. So that's a great place. I've got some training on uh, Adobe as well, but uh, find me at uh, Clips and Handles in terms of on Twitter, as well as clipsandhandles.com. You can reach out to me by uh, email there and I'd be happy to answer anyone's questions if it's definitely post-related. Awesome. Well, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Zach. Thank you so much for investing both your time and energy listening to today's show. If you were inspired by this conversation, don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app of choice and most importantly, leave a review because that helps move the show to the top of iTunes and get our message out there to those who need it the most. Simply visit optimizeyourself.me slash subscribe to never miss another episode. Lastly, stay safe, healthy, sane, and most importantly, be well. 
One last thing before I lose you. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you have subscribed to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter, because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'm even going to send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me newsletter, and I will see you in your inbox.